And while you're standing, I want you to turn to the person next to you and look at them and say, you are in the right place at the right time. Now look at the person on the other side of you and say, you are in the right place at the right time. We're going to read a couple different passages of Scripture this morning. First from John chapter 14, we'll be reading verses 16 and 17. Then Romans chapter 8, we'll be reading verses 26 and 27. And then I'm going to ask you to pray for me today that I can communicate to you what I communicated to the 845 crowd this morning. And I'm believing for multiplied results of what took place at 845 to take place in this room today. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Say it one more time. You are in the right place at the right time. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another, say another, another helper, that He may abide with you forever. Verse 17 tells us who He's talking about. The Spirit of truth, watch this, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you, who's at the right place at the right time, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. He will be in you. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 and 27 Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses Say weaknesses For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now when He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Today I'm going to need some of y'all to help me preach this morning. If you will, it'll go a lot better for you and a lot better for me. I want to preach the third and final message in this series I've been preaching on woven. This will be the last day I get to use uh, Dennis Cooper, who was here at 845, use his loom that he brought me to use as an illustration. But today I'm going to preach part three of this series. But first of all, let's back up and let's recap real quickly. Part one, uh, we talked about backward and forward and how that the Holy Spirit was woven through our very existence from before the beginning of time. The second week, last week, we talked about understanding the pattern of the Holy Spirit. There are three baptisms. We are baptized by the Holy Spirit into Jesus Christ when we are saved. We are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's baptism number one. Baptism number two, we are baptized in water, which doesn't save us. It's an outward sign of an inward work that's going on in our life that testifies to others that we have been saved. That's why I say when I baptize, he or she, whichever the case may be, who was once dead in sin is buried with him and risen to walk in new life. And then the third baptism, Jesus said, or John the Baptist said, there's one greater that comes after me who's greater than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. And he shall baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. That's the third baptism. Today, we're talking about that baptism. I've titled this one Top Stitch. Any sewers in the congregation this morning? Anybody who sews? Let me tell you what a top stitch is. A a top stitch is a line of stitching running parallel to a seam or a edge that is used to add strength to a garment. Are you with me? Let me say that again. A top stitch is a line of stitching running parallel to a seam or edge used to add strength to a garment. I want to back up and read Romans 8 and 26 again before we pray. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our 
weaknesses. Let me say that again. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. A top stitch is a line of stitching running parallel to a seam or edge used to add strength to a garment. I'm believing some of y'all are going to leave this place today stronger than you came because of the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Now, pray with me, but pray for me. Father, we thank you today for your presence. We thank you for the worship that we've experienced here, but God, right now for the next few moments, I pray that you would remove every hindrance that would come against this service, that Lord, you would remove every distraction that would take our attention away from you and what you want to pour out upon your people today. Lord, I pray that you would anoint these lips of clay, that I would not speak with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but that your word would come forth today with clarity and with understanding. Lord, with the demonstration and the power of your spirit today. God, I pray you'd anoint ears to hear and hearts to receive. But Lord, I pray today that we'd leave this place, some of us, with a second stitch that's adding strength to our life. And we give you praise and thanks for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And give the Lord one more big hand clap of praise as you sit down this morning. I'm going to move kind of quickly through this. I know what time it is, but I want you to stick with me. For the last two weeks, we've been discussing the activity of the Holy Spirit in our history. He's been woven into everything that we believe since before the beginning of time. And how that he is an integral part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We've established from the word, uh, as a matter of fact, when I say he's an integral part of our relationship with Jesus Christ, the word tells us we can't even be saved. Unless we are drawn by the Spirit. He's an integral part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We've established from the Word that if we do not have the Spirit, we do not belong to Him. So we receive the Spirit when we are saved. That's when we're baptized into the body of Christ. But that is a different experience than uh, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's being baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. But it's a separate experience to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've also established from the word that it's the spirit who does the drawing to us when he baptizes us into the body of Christ at salvation. So when you are saved this morning, that is not that's a that's that's the number one experience you got to have, but can I get a witness in this house this morning that salvation is not an end all experience? Can I get an amen? They used to sing a song in the old church that said it gets sweeter. As the days go by, salvation is not an end-all experience. And we so, if we need anything in the church today, we so desperately need to be baptized by Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to see the hands this morning. How many people have been filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Ghost? How many people this morning? Hands all over this room. So I'm going to need you all particularly to help me preach. Now, I ain't going to call nobody else out, but I will call you out. Amen, if you ain't helping me. So understand me this morning. Understand me. We're not here today to discuss how spiritual someone is or to judge somebody's depth uh, or their love for God. We're simply going to talk today about obedience and hunger and how uh, to have the Holy Spirit woven into our very being through our relationship with Jesus Christ. The first Sunday of this month we had... Uh, our uh, state youth director here, uh, Bishop David White, uh, on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday, as we celebrated, was 50 days removed from Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday. It was because of his crucifixion. It was because of his shedding of blood on the cross and his demonstration of divinity by coming back 
from the dead, raising from the dead, that we now have access to a right relationship with God. Is anybody in the house this morning thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away all sin? Because according to the law of God, there had to be a sacrifice. There is no forgiveness from sin, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood. So the Father sent His own Son to become that perfect and blameless sacrifice so that you and I could be saved. Because on our own, through our own ability, we could never access a right relationship with God. So Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross, and thanks be to God, Jesus rose again. Say amen, somebody. So this morning, I can thankfully stop... And offer every person in this room an opportunity to experience the first baptism, which we talked about two weeks ago, which is, uh, or last week, I'm sorry, which is salvation. And I've been praying all week long that the Holy Spirit would accomplish His job description, which is according to Jesus and according to the Word, that job description is to convince us of our sin. That's what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is. And right now, if you're seated here this morning, and you're, or you're watching us online today, and you're aware that you are far away from God, if you realize that you are not in right relationship with Jesus, and if you've come to grips with the dread of being headed for punishment, and judgment if you don't get right with God I want to tell you something this morning I got a news flash for you that is the Holy Spirit say amen somebody that's the Holy Spirit convicting and convincing you so that you'll make the step forward and surrender your life to Jesus today I said today don't leave here today without surrendering your life to him if you've never done that the second step that we're instructed to take after we submit our lives to Jesus is water baptism. And it's interesting to me how the early church was so adamant about this. And many times we are so passive and sometimes even dismissive of this step. But in the early church, in, in, in the Bible, uh, when somebody got saved, you, you'll read, they basically just pretty much walked them from the salvation experience right to the water and dipped them under right then. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. Listen to me. There's not anything magical or anything supernatural in that water. That water does not wash away your sins. I know some people, that's their doctrine, but that is not biblical. That water does not wash away your sins. However, we must also realize that the symbolic death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that's represented by water baptism stands as a powerful and a convicting witness and testimony of your new faith in Jesus Christ. And it's here, rather than questioning spirituality or our love for God, that we just got to address obedience right here. Jesus was very clear. In his example, by participating in water baptism himself, John the Baptist baptized Jesus. And he instructed his disciples to perpetuate this step in your walk with Christ when he said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I just have a question for you this morning. Have you been obedient to his example? Have you been obedient to his teaching? And hear me when I say this. Jesus taught we need to be baptized in water. Hear me when I say this. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. Partial obedience is complete disobedience. When we allow anything to get in the way, that's disobedience. So I encourage you, if you've not already, next Sunday we're going to give you an opportunity to participate in that second baptism. And I encourage you to register today. And uh, if you want to be baptized in water, you never have been. Or maybe you have been and you feel the Lord telling you to do it again. The book of Revelation tells us... Um, speaks of repenting and doing your first works over 
If you feel like you need to be baptized again or want to as an outward testimony that you've rededicated your life to Jesus, register before you leave today. We're going to celebrate with you next week. But that's next Sunday. Everybody shout today. We talked about obedience. So as we move forward to what Pentecost is all about, let me challenge your hunger. I want to draw your attention for just a moment to what may seem to be an odd passage of Scripture when we're talking about what we're talking about today. But let's go to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 10 and verses 16 and 17. And I'm going to read kind of quickly. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we're going to live. If they kill us, we're going to die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, nobody was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to each other, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and they fled at twilight and left the camp intact. Their tents, their horses, and their donkeys. And they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and they ate and they drank. And they carried from it silver and gold and clothing and they went and hid them. And then they came back and entered another tent and they carried some from there also and they went and hid it. Then they said to one another, we're not doing right. This day is a day of good news and we're remaining silent. If we want to wait until morning light, some punishment's going to come on us. Now therefore come, let us go tell the king's household. So they went and called to the gatekeepers of the city and they told them saying, We went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there. Not a human sound, only horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact. Verse 16. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour, what did it say? Was sold for a shekel. And two seeds of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate and he died, just as the man of God had said, who spoke when the king came down to him. I want to draw your attention very quickly this morning to three things about this passage of scripture. Number one, if you're taking notes, first of all, the famine is over. I said the famine is over. And I want to tell you today the famine is ending. This day is a famine ending day. What are you talking about pastor? I'm glad you asked. There is obviously a famine of power in the church as we know it today. I said there is obviously a famine of power in the church as we know it today. There are many churches today that may have a lot of people, but they have no power. I'm not preaching down against those churches, but here's what I am preaching to this church. I don't want to go to a dead church. I don't want to pastor a dead church. I don't want to drag myself every Sunday into a dead church. You're liable to see some things differently around here than you've been seeing them in the past. Because when I go to church, I want to see, feel, and experience the power of God at work. Why does the church want to sit outside or inside the gate walled up and die when there's something available to us that brings us power? We need the power 
of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit was sent to resolve that issue once and for all. So I declare and decree that today is a famine-ending day in this church. It's going to be a church of power. I said it's going to be a church of power. Number two, you got to do more than just hear. I said you must do more than just hear. You must believe. The prophet stood up and declared that it was over, but we read the people didn't believe it. See, they would have stayed walled up in the city and they would have died from lack of food had it not been for four lepers. And I want to tell you this morning, I can stand here in this pulpit and declare the famine is over all day long. But until you get to the place where you receive that, and you believe that, and you take God at His word, and fully believe that you can have anything and everything that God has said that you could have, then you will live your entire life, listen to me this morning, walled up in powerlessness. Walled up with walls like that city built around you with powerlessness. You can continue to call famine. Here's what they do in a lot of places today. They call famine fullness. I want to tell you something this morning. Just because a church is full of people does not mean it's full of power. I said just because a church is full of people does not mean it's full of power. God help us to be a church. I want to be full of people. But more than anything, I want to be full of power of the Holy Spirit. Number three, hunger must overtake us. Anybody besides your pastor this morning ever been hangry? It was hunger that caused the four lepers to take action. I want to tell you this morning, I am sometimes, I think, so hungry for a genuine, authentic move of God. Now, don't understand me. I'm not about a bunch of chaos and confusion. I'm not about it. But I am about the authentic power of God. And sometimes I think I get so hungry for that power of God, I get a little hangry with the devil. But that's okay. We're allowed to get angry at the devil. Why? He's keeping people from being hungry for the power of God. I want to ask you this morning, how hungry are you? Are you hungry enough to push past your own fear? Are you hungry enough to push past false teachings? Are you hungry enough to fight your way out of the box that you have put God in? Are you hungry enough to pursue everything that God has for you, even if it means marching out of your comfort zone? I got good news for you this morning. Like the lepers of this story, my hunger caused me to take a chance at 16 years of age and simply trust God that I didn't have to be afraid. Everything that God had for me was good for me. And I came to the place where I believed what he said about the Holy Spirit, which we've not got into yet, but we're about to, just as much as I believed what he said about salvation. So if you didn't get to be here the last, last week particularly, go back and listen. I explained in great detail using scripture everything that I'm preaching about today. So go back and listen to that. But I want to tell you this morning, my hunger drove me to be willing to ask and to receive. So I came to declare some good news this morning before I give you some instructions. All you have to do is ask and you can receive. 
It's a gift that has been promised from God. So I want to give you some instructions this morning, and then I'm going to call for the musicians, and we're going to pray. But number one, first of all, God has offered us a gift. Now, in order to receive a gift, if somebody wants to give you a gift, you have to reach out and accept it. We can't earn it, nor do we need to beg for it. But I want to tell you, Peter's instructions on the day of Pentecost are still good. Peter told them, repent and receive. Simply accept. Now listen, you don't have to be in some emotional euphoric state in order to get this gift. You just simply have to believe and receive. Luke chapter 11 and verse 11 through 13 said this. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now you need to understand this morning that God, listen to me, God wants you to have the Holy Spirit. He will not withhold it from you. He gives good gifts to his children. So number one, you've got to understand God has offered a gift. Secondly, open your mouth. Everybody do this. I didn't tell you to say ah, but I heard it. That's all right. Ah. Open your mouth. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. What are you talking about, Pastor? I want you to follow this closely. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit... And began to what? You ever spoken with your mouth closed? Hmm? They all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Listen, it is the Spirit that does the speaking, but it's your voice that He uses. They spoke. They had to open their mouth and use their voice when the Holy Spirit took over. Listen, church, if you want to receive from the Holy Spirit, you got to open your mouth. You need to understand that every time anybody in this Bible was filled with the Holy Spirit, they had to speak. And we must understand that out of our praise, you say, I don't know what to say. you got to understand out of your praise in our own tongue, out of your praise in English, the Holy Spirit will begin to give utterance. Can I get a witness for anybody that's been filled with the Holy Ghost before? You might just be standing there praising, saying, Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus, God, I thank you. Fill me with your spirit. And the next thing you know, you're saying things you don't understand. That means you simply step out in faith and you say what you hear the spirit saying. And somebody says, I'm afraid it's me. I got good news for you this morning. You can't baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Only Jesus can. Guess what else? The devil cannot baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Somebody says, I'm afraid it's, it's not God, it's the devil. I want to tell you something this morning. The Bible says, try the Spirit and see if they be of God. If they're not of God, they're of the devil. And I promise you something this morning. The devil can't baptize you in the Holy Ghost. So don't worry about it being the wrong spirit or don't worry about it being you. You can't baptize yourself either. In your own power, you can't. But in His power, you can. And many times people will come seeking to pray and receive the Holy Spirit. But they stand there like this. With their mouth clamped shut. How can the Spirit speak if you don't give Him a voice? Let me give you scripture. John chapter 7 verses 37 through 39. This is Jesus talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And He said on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirst, 
Let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. Because at this time the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this morning we need to understand that according to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is just like the water that's flowing into your house right now. Everybody got running water at home? Lord, I hope so. Everybody take a shower this morning. He's saying that the Holy Spirit is just like the water in the water lines flowing to your house this morning. It is constant and it is consistent. But the only thing that's stopping the flow from running constantly in your house is the faucet. There's a knob on the faucet that turns that water off. I want to tell you something this morning. We've already established if we don't have the Spirit, we're none of His. I just read you the scripture that said, out of your hearts. And another translation even said, out of your belly would flow rivers of living water. It's already in there. The only thing that's stopping the flow of it is you opening your mouth and letting God fill your mouth with the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness this morning? The only thing stopping that flow is the faucet. Now you may say... Pastor, why do I need that? I want to tell you why you need that. This is the top stitch experience. See, listen to me closely right here. It's not that your salvation is not complete. Because it is. It 100% is. When you called upon Jesus and you accepted him into your heart, you've already been stitched up. You've already been sealed, the Bible says, for the day of redemption. That's Ephesians 4 and 30. But this is another stitch. Did you get me? This is another comforter, the word said. This is another helper. It's another stitch running parallel to your salvation experience. But when you receive it, you will realize that you just added a whole new level of strength to your spiritual garment. Can I get a witness in here this morning? What are you saying? Top stitch. Let me tell you again what it is. It's a line of stitching running parallel to a seam or an edge used to add strength to the garment. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you will add a whole new level of strength to your walk with Christ. That's why Acts chapter 1 and 8 said, but you shall receive Power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's a whole nother level of strength. Listen to your pastor this morning. I'm almost finished. They can go ahead and come to the music. Listen to your pastor this morning. There is a lot that you can do without this third baptism experience. You don't have to have received the baptism in the Holy Ghost to sing. If you're a good singer, you can sing without it. You say, no, now wait a minute, preacher, you need the anointing. You do need the anointing. But I want to tell you, there's a lot of good singers in this world making a whole lot of money with their voice. But they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? You don't have to have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit to teach a discipleship class. If you can read the Word or Bible school, matter of fact, come, come to Bible school. We'll put you to work. Amen. 
You don't have to have it for that. If you can read the Word, and you can read the curriculum, and you're a good orator, you can teach a class. You can teach a discipleship class. Sure, you'd be more effective with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to have received the baptism in the Holy Ghost to work in children's church. If you love Jesus and you love little children, that is a prerequisite, though. If you don't love little children, please don't volunteer to work children's church. But if you love Jesus and you love little children and you want to teach them about Him, you can do that. Even if you've not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to say one that all y'all going to fall out of your seats. And I started to, I thought to myself, you can't put that in your notes. But then I thought, why not? It's the truth. You don't have to have received the baptism in the Holy Ghost to preach. Now in our movement, you have to have received it in order to be credentialed. But folks, let's just be real this morning. There's multiplied thousands of men and women in pulpits all across this nation and this world preaching a gospel message this morning that's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Many will do it ineffectively. They won't be effective in it. But there'll be a lot of others, some, who will have eternal impact preaching without the baptism. And I want to say this one loud and clear. As y'all say on social media, say it louder for those on the back. No pun intended to y'all back there. You do not have to have the baptism in the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. Can I hear an amen? You don't. But, here's what I'm about to preach to you for just a second. If you want to cast out devils, when the devil's coming against you, if you want authority over the devil, if you want to speak with a new tongue, if you want a prayer language that when you get in your prayer closet, the devil gets a nervous wreck because he don't have no idea what you're saying, and you can take those things into your prayer closet, get in the Spirit, and pray in the Holy Ghost, and the devil don't have an idea. Oh, my Lord, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what she's saying. If you want to know that you've got more power than the devil, even when he's trying to kill you, that's why this book said, These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils can I get a witness this morning they shall speak with new tongues they shall tread upon serpents and scorpions and that don't mean you go out looking for them but that means when you find yourself in the middle of them you can tread right upon them cause you've received power if they drink any deadly thing it shall not harm them watch this and they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover that's the power of the Holy Ghost you say I don't know why if you want power with God, you need it. I said if you want power with God, you need it. Top stitch. It's another scene. Now, understand me when I say this. Before you can get a top stitch, you got to have a main stitch going on. That's why some people think Pentecostals are crazy. You got people coming in talking in tongues that ain't even got a relationship with Jesus. Say amen, somebody. I don't care how much you talk in tongues. If you're mean in English, you need to check your experience. Boy, I hit a nerve there, didn't I? But you got to have a main stitch before you can add a top stitch. What are you talking about, Pastor? Your salvation is your main stitch. But if you've received salvation, then you're qualified to receive the Holy Ghost. Now I want to talk about this and then I'm going to open this altar. There's some of you who raised your hands said you've been filled with the Spirit. 
I don't know how long it's been for you, but there's some of you that probably need to be refilled again. You don't need to dam up the flow of the Spirit. You need to access what God has given you. And I want to tell you something this morning. An encounter that you had 20 years ago and you've never used again, you know what that means? That means you need a new experience. That means you need to be refilled because that's a memory. That's not a daily active power-giving experience. So what did Timothy say, or Paul say to Timothy? In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, here's what he said. He said, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Stir up the gift. How many of you again said you've received the baptism in the Holy Ghost? Let me see your hands again. I want to encourage you in just a few moments when we get in this altar. I want every single one of you that raised your hands to be in this altar. And I want you to stir up the gift because we're going to pray for others that are going to come and ask to be filled with God's Spirit. When I talk about stirring up the gift, you know what I think of? How many people in here like sweet tea? If you've ever had unsweetened tea that's already iced and you take some real sugar and pour it in it. Now I'm not talking about artificial sugar because that stuff will dissolve. So I'm talking about the real deal. The real sugar. And you pour that sugar in that tea and it's already iced and it's already cold. What happens to it? Settles straight to the bottom. And if you want to get a taste of sweet tea, the only way you're going to do it, if you go dumping sugar in already cold iced tea, is to get you a spoon. And when you get ready to take a drink, you're going to stir up that glass and get that sugar. Can I get a witness this morning? Is anybody with me? You're going to stir up that sugar in that glass and get it swirling around. And while it's still swirling, you're going to take you a drink. Because when you take a drink then, you get a taste of the sweetness. I want to tell you this morning, church, if you've been filled, this is a Pentecostal church. This is a full gospel church. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, every time we come together, every time we come to pray, Every time we come to worship, we ought to come in this place stirring up the gift and saying, God, stir it up in us again. Why? Because I want to tell you, there's people that need to taste. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost this morning. There's people that need to taste the sweetness of what you've experienced. And if you want them to taste it, you need to, oh, hallelujah, you need to stir up the gift. Stand with me all over this room. Very quickly. Every single Sunday we give you an opportunity to be saved. And if you've never ex accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, there's a room full of people here right now that will testify to you that Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make. Can I get a witness this morning? We're having water baptisms next Sunday and if you've not been baptized in water I want to encourage you to go ahead and register and let us celebrate with you. But today is your experience your opportunity to experience the third baptism. Now maybe you've been filled before and you need to be refilled. But maybe you've never been filled before. And I'm imploring you today I'm begging you to let hunger and thirst rule the day and come to the place you simply become so hungry for everything that God has promised that you'll join me right here in this altar and simply ask Him for more. All you got to do is take the step down here and when you begin to pray, open your mouth. Now, I just got a question for you before we open this altar. Would anybody 
like to add some spiritual strength to your garment. I see some heads nodding. Anybody that would like to add some spiritual strength to your garment. We already had a teenager receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost this morning. If you want to receive some spiritual strength in your garment, would you just step out from where you are? Not be afraid and just come stand along this front. Go ahead. Move out from where you are. Yes, those heads that were nodding. I want to receive some spiritual strength in my garment this morning. Thank you. All over the room. Come on. Just gather up close here. Just stand across through here. Praise the Lord. Look at this this morning. I want to receive. Somebody ought to praise the Lord this morning. I want to receive some spiritual strength in my garment. Now, here's what I want to do today. Everybody that raised their hand that said, I've been filled before, I want you to come and gather around behind them. Everybody, move right on out. I've been filled before. Anybody else still standing back there saying, I, I think I might, I might want to be filled today. I've never been filled. Don't, don't let the enemy talk you out of it today. Get up here and just listen, listen. There are a lot of things you need to be afraid of in this world, but the Holy Ghost is not one of them. Y'all go ahead and step up closer because people's coming in. The Holy Ghost is not one of them. And I just got two things to say. You may say, Pastor, I don't know about this and I don't understand it all. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Don't knock it until you've tried it. Let me say that again. Don't knock it until you've tried it. One of my good friends, Kathy Crab Hannah, she's been here before. Some of y'all know her, Crab family's mama. She has a saying that she says that I like to use too. She says, don't judge what you haven't experienced. So don't let the enemy talk you out of it this morning. If you want to be filled with God's Spirit, if you want, do what I did when I received it. Say, God, if this is really you and it's really real and you really want me to have it, then give it to me and see what he'll do. Today we're going to pray. I want those of you that came up that said you've received it, I want you to get behind somebody that hasn't received it. And I want you, as they sing, I want you to begin to stir up the gift. And let's pray for these this morning that are seeking the baptism. Would you do that today?